Du hører på Litteraturhusets podcast som presenterer bearbeidede versioner av samtaler og foredrag fra Litteraturhusets program. Er du interessert i mer information, kan du gå til litteraturhuset.no for oversikt over alle våra arrangementer. Hi everyone! Mexican poet Gloria Gervitz has been writing the same poem for 44 years. The epic poem Migrations is based on the history of Gervitz's own Jewish family that fled their persecution in Eastern Europe and has been called the greatest poetic project of our time. A poem in constant movement through family, religion, death and sexuality just to mention a few of the many aspects circulating in this massive, impressive, poetic choir. Uh, Gerwitz combines different times, traditions, languages, alphabets and voices and takes the reader through a multitude of escape routes and journeys, dreams, memories and landscapes. My name is Lynn Rottem and I work with the artistic program here at the House of Literature. And tonight I am extremely pleased and honored to welcome the legendary poet Gloria Gerwitz for the first time in our program here at the House of Literature. She had visited Oslo uh, before many times, but she's never been to our program, although she's visited this house on several occasions. And she's also going, she's been in Lillehammer yesterday, she's going to Trondheim, I think, tomorrow, and then Bergen. So it's a big Norwegian tour, which is great that poetry still can travel so many places in this very geographically spread country. The last edition of Migrations came out in Chile in 2019 at the same time that Gadwitz received the Pablo Neruda Prize. Translator Helena Hovden-Hareide uh, use, uses this version in the beautiful Norwegian translation Migrationer, uh, published at Samlage. The first version of the poem published in Norway which actor Iselin Strimba will read an excerpt from um, before we start the conversation and in the end this evening. Gloria Gervich has reached cult status in recent years also outside of her own country. For instance, in Sweden, where two versions of the poem have already been published. So we are especially grateful and pleased that the wonderful Swedish poet and critic Athena Faruksad said yes to talk to Gervitz here in Oslo. But before we welcome Athena on stage, we will uh, welcome Gloria, who will read an expert, and Iselin Schumba. Well... I'm very thankful for this invitation. Here in this Literatur Huset, I was here for the first time, I think, nine years ago. So it's been a long time. I've been to Norway, I've been lucky, and I've been here four times, mostly to Trondheim. But here, it's only the second time. So thank you all for the invitation. I'm, I also feel, like, happy and honored. Um that Athena is going to be with me. We've been together in other occasions, so I, I feel happy and comfortable to be with her in this um, talk that we're going to be having. And I also feel I'm, I'm very touched, and I really thank um, 
Sam Laguette and David, the publisher, that my poem has been translated now into Norwegian. And from what I hear, Elaine Hovim Harait, I don't know if I pronounced the name well, but from what I hear, she did a very, very good translation, which I'm very grateful. I knew she was going to do it, that she was going to do a very good translation. She got interested in the poem, I think it was like a year and a half ago that um, I came here. And um, she did have many questions, which that I liked because it showed me that she really wanted to do a good job. And I think she did. So even though she's not here, um, I want to say that I will always be thankful that she made in a way possible to have the words that were, of course, originally written in Spanish and that now exist in Norwegian. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for the invitation. And I guess we'll start. I'm going to start by reading just one page that they told me this is the part that today they they want me to, or they want to, that we read. When I say that we read, me and... Um, the person that will read in, in Norwegian. But I want to start just this page because I think it can give a little bit the, the tone, the music of Spanish and, of course, of the original uh, version of the poem. By the way, it does have a, this, this part that it's going to be read today, uh, does have an epigraph. And it says like this, the bounded is loaded by its possessor. Y es la primera mañana del primer día de primavera. Y yo salgo de tu sueño para entrar en el mío. Y la luz es blanca y se amanece con el calor. Y el corpiño blanco me aprieta y acariciándome mis pequeños senos, me bajo los calzones, me cubro con la sábana almidonada y toco mi sexo de niña. Me meto los dedos, me exploro, encuentro el punto del placer y me detengo allí. Mis dedos son cada vez más hábiles, más exactos. Cierro los ojos y me digo, cochina. Decírmelo me excita, y lo que siento se expande, me invade toda, me cubre toda, y soy este cuerpo este rapto, esta inmensidad, estoy en el placer, adentro del placer de darme placer, y mi nana, dormidísima en la hamaca de al lado, y la casa hundiéndose en el calor.
første morgenen, den første vårdagen. Og jeg går ut av drømmen din for å gå inn i min. Og lyset er kvitt. Det står opp sammen med varmen, og den kvite brysthalleren strammer, og medan jeg kjærteikner de små brystene mine, drer jeg trusene ned, dekker meg med det stive lakene, og tek på jentekjønet mitt. Jeg skuver fingrene inn, og utforsker meg, finn nytinga sitt punkt og bli værende der. Fingrene stadig mer kyndige, mer presise. Jeg lukker øga og sier til meg selv, grisette. Det er oppisende å si, og det jeg kjenner utvider seg, invaderer meg helt, dekker hele meg, og jeg er denne kroppen, denne raptusen, dette enorme. Jeg er nytinga på innsida av nytinga, av å nyte meg selv. Og barnepika, barnepika mi søv, tungt i hengekøya ved siden av, og huset søkk ned i døsen. Thank you very much, Iselin, and thank you, Gloria. So, thank Lynn, you, thank you, Athena. <laughs> it's not the first time that we're together. It's not. And I'm very happy that we're together again here. So am I. So, Lynn did such a great introduction. So, I won't say much more than that, other than that you're not actually only on a Norway tour, you're on a Europe tour. I'm on a Europe tour. <laughs> you're also going to Denmark and Sweden and Poland. Yes, and, and Madrid. Oh, really? And Spain too. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yes, so we have about, about 45 minutes for a conversation and then Gloria will read to you again together with Iselin. So this is the event of tonight. Um, yes, so as you were saying, you and I have been on stage together many times before, and this great work of yours, Migrations, it was published uh, in Sweden more than 10 years ago for the first time in 2009. Yes. And since then, there's actually been a second translation, which is a remarkable thing. Uh, for a book of contemporary poetry to be translated twice during 10 years. Uh, and you've been, I mean, you have visited Sweden many times, you've been back and forth, and I think of you almost as a part of sort of the contemporary Swedish poetry scene, as thus, like migrations has somehow, it has been so influential for contemporary Swedish poetry that it has almost become a work of Swedish poetry, although it's a work of translation, uh, which is, I think, a very sort of rare, peculiar thing. It, it, it rarely happens, no? Uh, and um, yes, so it is also, besides Swedish, it's translated to English, of course, Arabic, Polish, 
and now Norwegian, uh, which is which is excellent. And well, as Lynn was saying, I think, and many people is, have said this before, that that migrations is actually one of the sort of great poetic works of of our time. Not not only because of sort of its um, process, but also because because of the poetry it's, itself. And it is also your life life work. It's a life's work. Yes, you started working on it. More than 40 years ago. 44. I started in 76. And I've been writing poetry. This is the 50th anniversary. I started writing poetry <laughs> very, very beginning of 1970. So it's 50 years of writing poetry. <laughs> so will you have a celebration? I, I think <laughs> you should. Th this whole thing is a celebration. Yes, it so. is. <laughs> Like th thanks for celebrating with me. <laughs> yes, this is a, the fiftieth anniversary. That's that's remarkable in itself. But you know, I think with with some works of poetry, you I have the feeling when I read it that the book itself, the work itself, is the consequence of sort of its point of departure. And this is something I feel very strongly when I read migrations. That uh, that I'm wondering whether or not the book sort of departs from the actual first line. The actual first line, which I think has sort of stayed intact, right? Yes, it has. Through, through all the versions is... Um, uh, in Swedish, it's... In de röda nejlikornas migrationer en las migraciones de los claveles rojos. Very good. <laughs> uh, so in, in, the, in the migrations of the red... Claves, maybe I don't know what it says, uh, and I'm thinking sort of that this line, it's such a powerful and strong line, and I knew that you wrote this line in the very beginning of your process with this book. That it's sort of the entire work; these entire forty years are somehow a consequence of the power of this line. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I do, <laughs> but um, the strange thing is. Like I said, I've been, I, I started writing poetry 50 years ago. I wrote terrible poetry at the very beginning, as, um, as silly as you can imagine. They were some love poems, really bad, bad poems. Not, not <laughs> even, maybe it was not even poetry. Uh, but anyway, and then I, I started trying more and more. But it was in 1976 that I started writing something that I, I felt it was, it was a little more my voice, mm. but nothing really happened there. Mm. And then I had these two, three lines, which are the beginning of what became, without me knowing it at all, what has become uh, a life project. And for me, a place that I've been living in and the poem has lived inside me, and I've been living in the poem uh, for 44 years. Mm. And I think we're separating from each other, which in a way, I think it's it's okay. But it's also a strange feeling, almost mm. an orphan feeling, mm. to to be because the poem for in in many many stages in my life, it it was not not even like a house. It was more like a cocoon. I, go, mm. I could go inside the poem, and the poem was in me. And of course, uh, in these 44 years, there were 
long periods of time where I didn't write anything at all. I mean, mm. years sometimes. Mm. But still, the poem was there. Anyway, to go from uh, your question, I had these two, three lines in my mind, which are in Spanish, uh, en las migraciones de los claveles rojos, donde revientan cantos de aves picudas y se pudren las manzanas antes del desastre. Hmm. And two more lines that I won't say. Anyway, I have to tell you this. I had them in my mind. They didn't really make too much sense. And I'll be honest, I still don't really know exactly mm. what they mean. And mm. I don't even know how much sense they have. Mm. I don't. I just there to write them. Mm. And it was like if I had opened a faucet because I wrote this three, four, five lines that still, honestly... I don't know myself exactly what I was trying to say with them. Mm. And then something started flowing and I started feeling for the first time that it was my voice because before that, whatever I wrote, fortunately, deep down, I knew it, was, it wasn't ready. It wasn't, it wasn't me, mm. even though I wanted so much to have something published, etc. And they did publish a few small little poems, little fragments, fortunately, in uh, poetry magazines or poetry, uh, I don't know how you call them, that are almost forgotten, very <laughs> fortunately. Mm. Uh, because they, they were not really, they were too, they were naive. They were, mm. I, I, I wasn't ready yet. Hmm. I think it started with those lines. But isn't it exactly because of what you're saying now that you still, after 44 years, don't entirely that you don't entirely grasp? I mean, the meaning of these lines, that that it is somehow the a point of departure, which which makes a continuation inevitable or necessary. Somehow that you have to have to so because of the the mystery. That is maybe, maybe, and mm. and I feel it now, and it's a strange feeling. It's almost like an orphan feeling. I think mm. we are saying goodbye, the poem and me. I think it is. <laughs> it's starting to be a departure, and I think it has to be a departure too, because I've been writing the poem, of course, off and on for many years. I didn't write anything, and of course, I have written. Wow many, many notebooks of with poetry in them and, and notes and whatever that the poem came from there, but mm. they, they're not worth it. Um, but I think it's sometimes important to, to get out of something. Maybe we are saying goodbye mm. because I feel I have the risk now, I really have it, to start repeating myself I've seen it in older mm. poets that they start almost rewriting themselves without noticing it mm. and I don't want that to happen so perhaps this time mm. and I'm, I'm really saying I'm, I mean it I really mean it mm. because because of my age because I've done the very best I can with a poem till now Um, maybe we are we are saying goodbye. Yeah, mm. it's starting to be a departure. Mm. 
But before we reach this this point of departure or separation, let's let's talk a bit about the involvement of the poem during these 40 years. Uh, because what what you might not know if you read this beautiful Norwegian edition that is also available here in the store um, is that in the versions before it is actually structured quite differently. And I think that is sort of one of the main changes that are that you have made um, in the poem uh, during the sort of recent years because before it was divided into different sections uh, titled like Shacharit or Pithya or, or, or different parts and now all these parts are sort of removed and they are integrated into one one sort of major work uh, so will you tell us a bit about the involvement the, the thing is I never ever imagined when I started, and especially when I started with these lines, that I was like embarking myself into what ended up being a life project. Mm. And the different parts that the poem had at a certain time, well, not only at a certain time, most of the time, mm. I thought they were different uh, poems, sort of, when I say long poems, sometimes 10 pages, 15 pages, whatever. Mm. And I thought they were different from each other. Mm. Some of them completely different. And then I started noticing that somehow the voice that was leading the, the, the poems was the same voice, even though the voice um, moves into other voices. But it was... It had a continued, una continuidad. It had it mm. there. So I think I was, I was perhaps one of the first ones to be surprised that it was really starting to be one long poem. Mm. But it had, it had those divisions. The divisions were very important. I couldn't have written the poem without them. Mm. I do have the feeling many times that I wished I had the poem in this late, this um, the very latest version, mm. which I would say is is the one that it's it was published in two nineteen in in Chile and and there's a special edition of it that I have here and the one in Oregon. It's the very very latest one, even mm. a little bit with a few little changes from the. Swedish one mm. that was published in 218. Mm. Um, but it was, it was, it's very, life is very strange. I had the most creative stage in all these 44 years, just like at the very most four years ago, between four and three years ago, mm. suddenly I was almost like a gift to be honest, I was I was quite lucid, and I wrote more poetry in a very short period of time, not even a year perhaps, mm. more poetry than I had written in almost 40 years. Mm. <laughs> and then something very strange happened. I had all these parts. They had, each one had a subtitle. Each one had an epigraph. Mm. And... The book was going to be uh, ready to be published. They they already had the 
the maquette or I don't know how you call it here, but it was it was already done. Done. Mm. And I had almost it it will sound perhaps strange, but it was like that. Almost everything happened almost at the same time. I don't think it took more than ten minutes. Almost like a revelation that I suddenly felt very strongly, very strongly that all those subtitles with like it was very, you know, mm. subtitle, epigraph, and then the part. Subtitle, epigraph, the part. And I suddenly felt no more of this. <laughs> I'm going all these subtitles have to just get out of the poem. And of course the epigraphs, the way they are put, I did use a few of the epigraphs, but in a very different way. Mm. And not in that order, of course, not at all. And also, strangely, I felt that in some parts of the book, especially the first part, first and second part of it, when it still had the parts, I used uh, the, the capitals and I mm. used commas. And... Suddenly, I felt these capitals, they, they, they're like soldiers, they're like <laughs> captains there. And, and they are, in a way, always a capital is a way of saying like, chung, chung, here I am, isn't it? I mean, a capital is always a little imposing. Mm -hmm. And I just felt all this had to get out of the poem and just let the poem flow. I think that's, mm. I think that's where that departure that you're saying yeah. started taking place. Because sure. I, I took out all the, cap, all the punctuation except the question marks. Mm. The question marks in my poem are very important. The poem is full of questions because I'm full of questions myself. <laughs> mm. And questions, the kind of questions, probably will never really have an answer for them. Mm. But I think it's a very different experience of reading. I mean, reading this last version where the entire poem is sort of one totality that flows and flows and flows. It's then, then reading the previous versions where with the capitals and sort of the breaks in sections and epigraphs. Because here you really underline sort of the feeling of one life, one body, one poem, one totality. It But almost it becomes more bodily and also somehow more feminine if i could say that i don't know i just i just had this very strong feeling that that's the way it should be mm. but at the same time i was ready for it i wasn't ready before it took me it took me a lifetime <laughs> it took i had to have a lot of life experience to to be able to write the poem and to be able to do what i did at the very end i'm really talking mm. about At the most, I don't even know if it's four years, yeah. perhaps even less than four years mm -hmm. that I did that. And that, of course, changed the poem a lot. But it was the first time that I realized, like from the bottom of my heart, that it, I just had to take out all those, like what they put in rivers that they put, I don't know the word in, in English, mm -hmm. the, the, how do you call them, diques. Hmm? Dams mm. that I had to take them out and just let the poem flow, <laughs> yeah. almost let the poem go out of me, almost like if I was really for the first time giving birth to the whole thing and yeah. just let it go. Now <laughs> it's not not inside me anymore. I don't have it in me anymore. Mm. Not like that. Mm. Before I was more. It gave me more security. Yes. Now mm. I it less. But mm. I also know. 
that this is the way it has to be. Mm. Because I read somewhere that you said that sometimes you wish that all these different versions didn't exist. Yes, I did. That the poem had just sort of come to you uh, as if you hadn't had to spend 44 years on it, like in, in one piece, in a totality. And I think to me that's a very interesting idea because it also says something about the relationship between the writer and, and the poem, because sort of the history of a relationship, even if it was a beautiful history, is, is also a burden some, somehow, you know. I think in any 40-year-old relationship, there, there, there are sort of these layers of emotions, uh, but also complications. Uh, so I, I think this, this, this complicated relationship you have, the fact that you know that it had to take you this this long to sort of reach reach this to totality that was at and at the same time you have the feeling that it was born this very instance you know i think it's intriguing this this complexity in, in your own relationship to your work it is intriguing and yes sometimes i wish the poem would exist the way it is now mm. but i also know that it couldn't have Oh. I needed all that time. I needed all these parts. And again, I, I also needed life experience to be able to dare and just let the whole thing just flow and depart, depart from me and depart from a way of uh, working with it. Mm. I just suddenly, like when you cut, almost like... like like giving birth, I had to cut the el color, yeah. el, how do you cord? Uh -huh, that, that? Yeah, yeah <gasps> yes. it was something like that, yes. Mm. But I want to ask you about the title, because I think the title of this poem is very important also. It would have been a totally different book hadn't it have this sort of title that, that really sort of sums it up. Somehow, but I think also it's very important that the title is in plural, right? Uh, because to me that means that sort of the 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 migration is something ongoing. You know, there are migrations that go on and on and on. But it also means that it's not only migration in the sense of sort of geographic movement and exile. It's also a lot of different things migrating. So what is it that is that is migrating in in migrations, would you say? Um, I, have, I had three parts of the poem that had different titles when it was published for the first time in an important, bigger publishing house in Mexico. And they did say, you have to find a title for, because they were going to, of course, at that time I felt it was three different poems that they were going to be published, and that's it. And they told me, you have to find a title that you think can sort of go with what you're, we're going to be, we're going to publish. And strangely, also very quickly, I have to say, I work mostly with my intuition. Hmm. Um, I, I suddenly felt, I think Migrations is a good title. And now I can see it, it was a good title, even though Migrations... I mean, we've been living more than a century of migrations all over the world in, in so many ways. Mm. My migrations have to do a little bit with really actual migrations. Mm. Um, 
I do come from a family. My father came to Mexico City. Well, to Mexico first. They arrived, of course, to Veracruz. That was the port where they arrived. He he was born in what now is Ukraine. And he came with his parents when he was almost nine years old. Um, in 1929, like many Ashkenazi Jews that were getting out of all the Eastern European mm -hmm. countries. So in my poem, there's a part of the poem that has to do with actual migrations. Mm -hmm. Because I have to say that for myself, I mean for me, I really, until now, strangely, uh, I never ever migrated. I was born in Mexico City and I lived in Mexico City all my life. It has been just in the very last, very, very last uh, years, but even not completely of my life, that I migrated myself to San Diego. And I'll be very honest, it was because I, I fell in love. So as you know, love is not just for the very young. I fell in love, but very much in love with the man that is here tonight with me, <laughs> fortunately, and that and ended up becoming my husband. It took a lot of time because most of the people that I see here are women. And as we all know, men are more... <laughs> slower. <laughs> they're slower and, and they're a little... They're, they're a bit of a cowards. They're cowards. But I really, I, I, I really fell in love. I, I was married in a more like a... a I was married, not not a real, real marriage, more like when you were living with almost like a roommate. But I was not living in, in hell. I wasn't. Mm. I just really fell in love with this this person. And for the very first time in my life, I myself migrated to the U.S., to San Diego, because of him, even though originally he's from Mexico City, too. And he lived in Mexico City for his first 26 years, but he made his life in San Diego. That's where I met him. And it's the very first time in my life that I myself migrated. But there are in the poem migrations from the outside, but mostly the migrations in migraciones are migrations inside ourselves. Mm. Because if we if we see each other a little bit more, isn't it? How many times have we not migrated inside ourselves? I mean, we, we change with life. Priorities change. We change. We can have different relations, different friends. Life is not, we tend to think, they, they make us think that life is going to be sort of like you do this and then this and then that, but that's not the way it usually works. So my migrations in many ways are more inside migrations mm. of ourselves. So it has a little bit of outside migrations, but mostly inside mm -hmm. migrations. Mm. So let's talk about the women in the book, since you mentioned women. Uh, because I think, you know, the, the, the sort of the most important motive somehow in the book is is women or the woman. But um, it's it's very intricate somehow, because in, in the book there there is a mother who is, you know, a 
at once a caretaker, but also herself a girl, you know, or a masturbating woman in total ecstasy, or a grandmother, or a nanny. Um, it's like almost like every woman in um, in migrations is a Russian doll, you know, somehow that in herself contains all these other women's from her, for women from her past or in from her future. So it's like woman is a very sort of elastic notion in when it comes to experience and age and 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 so on in your book and can you say something about that sort of the the collective of of women and girls that embody your your work i don't know if i can say much about it because i never wrote it thinking like that i never wrote it like write about women or write about Uh, the mother or the nanny or the mm. this. I never thought about it. It's just, let's say I, I wrote from, if, if we would put, um, um, let's say like this in, a, in, in Jungian language, uh, the poem comes from the anima. It's, a, it's written mm. from the, the feminine part that in fact also men have. So, yes, the poem has to do a lot with being a woman and so many feelings that we women experience that, in fact, also, like I'm saying, also men experience many of this. I think one of the main, um, this this I that is also a you mm. that has, that is in Migraciones so very much, I think one of the, um, how would you say in English, interlocutores, one of the, of the, the voice, interpreters, no. interpreters no. not interpreters, no. the voice speaks, the voice that leads the poem, because there is a voice that is And leading the, the poem. The narrator? The narrator, to put it like that, yeah. uh, speaks mostly to a mother. This mother, sometimes, um, it's, it's sort of, as you all know, the relationship between a mother and daughter is always a very complicated relationship. And it's, it's a voice that sometimes invokes this mother and, of course, loves this mother, but also hates this mother sometimes, mm. many times, and is asking many, many times something like, please don't go, please don't go, please leave me, please, like, take me in your arms, and at the same time is saying, please leave me, please let me be, please let me be myself. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the main uh, personas, when I say persona, is um, like the Greek used to say, or in the, in the poem is the mother. The mm -hmm. mother... And the mother, at the same time, has all these like, divisions in a nanny and mm. in a grandmother. And I actually do speak of the grandmothers mm. in a way of my own grandmothers, but grandmothers mm. that are also a very important part sometimes of the lives of people. Because um, in this case, there's a small part in the book that do speaks of my paternal grandmother because mm -hmm. I never I never 
she died she died young i never met her she died like a year before my parents got married my parents were already uh like starting a, a important relationship and she died and i think without putting words to it probably many times perhaps when i was i don't know 14 15 maybe even younger uh i thought my goodness what does this woman that happened to be my grandmother had have what did she feel that she had to go from her uh, when for, from where she was born and she left family friends that when they left like you know deep down that you're never going to come back mm -hmm. and probably will never ever see again and um what did this woman that happened to be my grandmother how many feelings must she had when she left and to go to a country that she really they mm. knew nothing about just that it was in america and they didn't know the language in fact they came from from what now is ukraine and poland mm. some of, uh, from my my uh, mother's side uh and they they even carry with them their their you know heavy heavy coats from the winters mm -hmm. like here that have nothing to do with Mexico. Uh, mm. And um, imagine all the all the fears, but also all the illusions and all all that they carry with them. Mm. And I think they were very, very not I think I, they were very brave. And they were they also came to this unknown country that was a very generous country. And um, at the same time, it was a generous country, but they came with, with all these dreams and all these illusions and fears, and they were so busy, like, taking care of the children, because I'm not talking about young, young women that come to, let's say, in this case, to Mexico, to America, to start a life. They already came with a husband, with small children, so they already had a lot of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And they were so busy taking care of the children, having, you know, the food ready, helping the husbands in whatever they were working, etc. And I felt they didn't, they didn't even have the time ever to talk about their dreams. And once I heard this, this is absolutely real, I heard of someone, of course not my grandmother, someone that wrote letters and letters in Yiddish and just put them in a, maybe even a, where, where she used to save uh, um, when they knit, the knitting, mm. the thing where you put your knitting things, just save the papers of those letters there because she didn't even have an address to send them mm. to. And they were written in Yiddish, which who, who was going to read these letters? So I heard that this is real. I heard of someone that did something like that, and it really struck me. And, and of course, I was very touched by it. Mm. And I do say something in the poem of those letters written in this Yiddish that, it's not that, in a way, Yiddish is also like disappearing, but imagine writing and writing letters that 
you're you'll never send because you don't even have the address to whom mm. to send them. Mm. So, a little part of the poem is an an homage to all these brave women that it, did mm. all this, and that thanks to them, I'm here tonight with you, <laughs> in a way. So. And you also write somewhere. I don't know how what it says uh, what it's like in English, but you write. Uh, to die on the other side of the ocean or to die on the other side of the sea, that's the only thing that, she's sure of. Well, yeah, you know, I, 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 think I think that that was the only thing she was sure mm. because deep down she knew she was saying goodbye to people she was never, ever going to see again. And then, to be honest, the ones that stayed, they were all killed, all killed by mm. the Nazis or by Stalin. Mm. The only ones that survived were the ones that that left hmm. and most of them i mean i would say at least in my family they went to mexico if it wouldn't have been for that hmm. i mean the ones that stay hmm. all of them all of, i have not that i know nobody was left hmm. nobody okay hmm. all um, killed hmm. and not not this nobody because they died no hmm. they were killed yeah. okay hmm either in concentration camps or by Stalin, killed. Hmm. Hmm. I, I want to ask you about sort of the role of culture and religion in migrations, because there are a lot of depictions of Jewish rituals, for instance, and prayers and sayings and everyday life in your book, but also Christian saints. Uh, and at the same time, it's a very sacral book, You know, it's it's rather, you know, carnal or sometimes even blasphemic. It's very sort of rooted in the material world. Uh, so what would you say is the sort of the place of religion and Jewishness in the book? I, I, I really don't have the answer. I don't come from neither a religious family or um, a, a, what would you, you would say a practicing family or very traditional Jewish family, I don't. And from my mother's side, my maternal grandmother, she was a Catholic, very beautiful lady from Puebla, which is a state in Mexico that is famous because it's very Catholic. In fact, they say, I think Puebla has 365 churches, one for each day. <laughs> And my grandmother was from there my maternal grandmother, and my paternal grandfather that left Poland when he was a, a very young man, probably, I don't know, 18, 20, alone, you know, an adventurous, I want to go to America and let's see what happens. And they met there and they fell in love. And so from that side, um, that's where I come from. And of course... In that sense, uh, well, the book has, of course, a lot of a lot of my when I say my own history, but it's not only my history. It's a little bit una genealogía, no? Genealogy. Uh, uh, mm. Sort of, yes. Mm. Um, so from that side, that's that's the way it is, and all these things that these prayers that I even leaving the poem in Hebrew, mm. it's because when I heard them, I always heard them in Hebrew, 
And when I tried to translate them, they they just they they lost that strength. They lost they lost something. So I just decided that's the way I heard them and that's the way they go. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And the Catholicism that you see, it's because I was born and raised in a, also a very Catholic uh, uh, it's the country that it's Mexico City. And I did have a nanny, the nanny. In fact, in the book, there's only one name in all the book that I mention. And that's the name of my nanny, which I really had this nanny. Mm-hmm. And her name was Lupe. <laughs> and of course, I was very fond of my nanny. And I think my nanny was very fond of me, fortunately. Um, and um, my nanny used to take me to Mass of course, without my parents knowing. And uh, she used to um, sort of, you know, try to teach me to to prayer the um, Our Father who art in heaven, etc., and to like this and things like that. And um, it stayed with me. Mm. It's, it's part of me. Mm. Because sure. just to end this, and then your questions, but just to end this, um, I do feel sometimes that not only that I wish sometimes that the the poem would be the way it is now without all these versions <laughs> that I had to do, but it's like life. You have to live many stages to to get where sometimes you, you are now. Um, mm. Well, I don't know even how to say it, but I, I need it. L- let me put it like this. Perhaps I wish I had the poem and that I would be perhaps 10 or 15 years younger, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. And I mean, I, and then I, I can see very clearly that I also needed, I really did need it, life experience to, to be able to, to leave the poem the way I, I did. Mm. I couldn't have done it 10 years ago. I couldn't. Mm. I needed more time. Mm. Let's say, fortunately, like life has granted me that time. Yeah, I'm grateful in mm. that sense. Yes, we because all are. I, I, I'm not young, but still, I'm still, I'm still strong. Fortunately, mm. so <laughs> I can't um, complain. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about hmm, pleasure, because I think something that is very remarkable with your book is that you know a lot of us who have experienced migration, for instance, or or life as women, we know a lot about sort of the sorrows and the griefs of being migrants or women. But I think what's remarkable with your book is that it really places the experience of ecstasy and pleasure in, in, in relation to, you know, being a woman or being a migrant. And it, it sort of puts ecstasy very close to exile and and also exactitude very close to ecstasy and and exile and so i'm interested in this um, ecstatic ecstaticness this is ecstatic quality in your poetry you know it's it's very sort of lyrical in a classical way that it really sings but it sings from within the body you know, and out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I, mm. I guess, I guess I just, 
I wasn't writing for anybody, if you know what I mean. If I think I think that's a very big danger for for writers, especially perhaps with poetry. If you start writing either to please someone or when I say someone it can be a someone or many someones or if you want to annoy them or, or no. I think in the end we we write because we cannot not write. You you write because you have to. It's almost like like a bi- biological thing. Mm. So, I but there's know, also I something very I courageous, I think, about this. I mean, there are not many times that I've read these sort of images or scenes with masturbating women in poetry. Well, but but let's, in let's, your poetry, let's, let's it's be, everywhere. Let's be mm. honest. Mm. We have all done it. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Women, we, we do masturbate. I mean, come on, we all do. We have done it, sometimes more, sometimes less. But it's it's part of uh, knowing yourself. It's part of experiencing yourself. In my case, it was also almost like a, like a sin because <laughs> I was I had a very strict mother and a cold mother. That's why probably I I, I speak so much to her because mm. she she was cold and she. Um, I love her so very much, but she was she was a distant mother. Perhaps if I had had a more, um, uh, I think she loved me in her own way. It makes me sad to say it, and it it, it touches me. I, I but I I really I love my mother very very much, but she was cold. She was she was an unhappy woman, and. Um, I don't even know if she ever really had pleasure in her life. I don't mm. know. I think she was raised very strict. I don't know. It took me also, like I said again, a lifetime to perhaps to give myself permission to many things. Mm. So in that, again, life is very strange. Sometimes it's near the end where you have the best of it. Mm. <laughs> And I think I think with these words we will invite Iselin also to come and Gloria to read again for us from this great work. Thank you so much, Gloria. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, Athena, thank you for thank listening. You, thank you again for being with me here. <laughs> thank you. It was a beautiful surprise to know that you were <laughs> yes. here. Wonderful. And congratulations on your new book and Thank and you. everything that's happening to you too. Thank you, dear. So, uh, so I think the stage is yours, and then Iselin will come. Well, no? yes. Gracias. Gracias. And like this, en tac. I know how to say tac. So uh, I will read for a while now. Yes, you read whatever you want, and then I I finish. Jeg er i nytinga, på innsida av nytinga, av å nyte meg selv. Og barnepika mi søv tungt i hengekøya ved siden av, og huset søkk ned i døsen. Og ute på torget tek larmen fra marknaden til 
Där finns det ljus av grapefrukt och apelsin och vatt, vatten med hibiscus och horchata och tamarind och atolle med jordbär och choklad och söta tamales och tamales från Oaxaca och papaya och svisker och manila mango och röda bananer och koke bananer buntar med små bananer och bananer från Tabasco vassmeloner rödare än blå graviola frukter blottstilte som kön knallröda kapulinkirsebär drypande granatäpple Det ren över av svart sapodia och mamej sapotar öppna som vulvar feita och saftiga ananasar passionsfrukta som hardnar och varmen tränger in i de vävde mattorna tränger sig in i stråkorgarna tränger sig in i moharafiskarna och i de röda tönnarna med rekor tränger in i hummarna in i röd krabbeklörna in i blå krabbarna surra upp i fjällen till Chevichen och in i muslingarna halvöppna och livrädda in i de slappa bläcksprutarna som svimmar av i bläckesitt in i stor östersanne som drömmer sig själv på botten av havet in i östersanne örsmå som elvesteiner in i de kvite pampanofiskarna från Michoacan in i öron från färskvatten och saltvatten in i den genomsiktiga esmedragalen och i aburen och in i karpene från Morales och in i atrinamuslingarna och in i charalefiskarna med smadra huvud och in i de stora rödsnapparna och in i haifinnarna och varmen bryt vängarna sina knusar dig mellan trillingblommarna knusar graskarblommen och horisontelgraset och fuglenäka och räddikarna och misspelklasarna och majskolbarna spränger sig fram i säckarna med kaffe och med kanarikras och amarantfrö och i säckarna med hirse och bönor och i korgarna som flyt över av olika chiliar chipotle morita anzo kasabel guajija manzano arbol chilaka Pinguinvarianten är så små och så starka att habanero-chilien och målesausen grön och röd och svart och gul och rödlägg och sesamfröa till alla typer måle och ostfra och saka som kvite, garn, nöste.
och geitost med oske och panelaost och sushitaost och manchego te quesadilla och tlayuda lefso och tlayuko lefslo och mortarar och metator och leiromnar och vifter av palmefibrar och i portalarna hängsala från Santa Maria gurjabera skjortene och blusarna alin och agave broderite nonnene från Augascalientes de magiska mönstren till Majaveverskarna t-skjortene med örna och nopalkaktusen och ora viva Mexico albrihefigurerna feberridde och vanvittige Åspradios och sandaler och kammare av trä och plastik och smyckor av kristall och turmalin och rav och tigeröga. Småfullar och små änglar och agat och onyx och ibenholt och hårspänner och pyntekamrar av perlemor och skälpaddeskall och neveakräm och tio nacho-shampoo hjärta broderat med korssting och såpen av mandel och rose och havträ och kokos och kamille och med svavel mot kvisor. Och heten glohet med så många Celsius smuldrar i sniglehuse och dyre horn och kremkäxa och honningkäxa och mariekäxa och myrtesnop och atesgelé och guavasmak och kvedesmak sötpoteter från Puebla och pinjekärnor och kikärter och graskarfrö och rulletobak och vanilje från pantla och kanelstänger och svalene som svingar sig i strömledningarna och heten sina hängande tråar röter både här och där och solblom och vinrute och aloeblad kapslar med äter och buntar med eukalyptus och med basilikum och myrt och tårar offerkranser och lysestakar och kyrkelys och helgenikon och små mirakelmedaljonger och skapuler och amuletter mot det vonde ögat och rökelsen och harpiksen och larmen från stämmena och fuglar fulla av bur och bur med undulater, med klippte vänger och gröna parakitter som banner och kyrkeklockorna kallar in till messe och musiken här och musiken där och flockor av pappegöjer och spottefuler från andra landskap och andra minne och denna vedvarande sången till de gula kanariefuglarna och lyrikassemannen Musik som snurrar runt och runt på håndtaket på den samme sången. Och en trist och spinkel fiolin och en gitarr som drömmer sig väck Och en trio som inte helt träffar tonen syng. 
Och musik. Och mer musik. Och bråk. Och mer bråk in i bråket. Och från Istmo med flättande sina samenfiltrar som slangar käm kvinnorna från Tehuantepec och Yuchiyan och Selina Cruz med stora puppar och bröstvortar som valmuar majestetiska medusar med öglar på huvudet medusar med öreringar av guld och broderade skjortor vana med och halle i töjlarna vana med de stora måltider vana med de häftiga fyllekulorna vana med att tillfredsställa sig själv vid att gni klitoris in med kokosolja vana med att amma barna sina vana med att amma män vana med att suga kuk som om det var en karamell vana med de häftiga hetebölgarna de let sig deflorera med fingrarna de let sig däcka med kronblad av deflorerat blod de let blodet bli kyssa och klär sig i skittna underskört med blonder. Och marknaden fylldes av de skyhöja sapotetiska vokalerna. Och stämmande fylldes med blommor och en förälskad man som drick öl för att samla mot och en marimba med hjärtesplintra i samspel rusar dig sig och syng och varmen smälter i chokladplattorna och guero chilane sveitar och serrano skinkene och pablona chilien som väntar på att bli fyllt torkar in och bladbetarna och portulackarna och sopp törkar in och majs soten och maguayalarvene och grashoppene och maurlarvene skrumpar och avokadoarna och hitchamabönnene och koriandaren och persillen och mynten och hjärtesalaten och hamne amaranten och lökarna som leiter efter hjärtesitt och pappaloen och tomatoalarna och epasoten törkar in och tårarna och varmen som rödnar och det röda som rottnar in i det röda och kvinnorna som sel pinola och kakao sovnar sittna med spebarna hängande från hängebrösta och potter och vaskefata tinn och lejermuggar för att hålla vattnet kallt och från kampetsche käm dig för att sälja sandaler och bälta av slangeskinn och öglehud söllnålar till det broderte med och havfruar och krucifixlager av oxehorn och under skuggen av ett sirikåteträ av frisörsalongen och knytt samman stammen till kirikåteträ är en bit med spegel som kunderna ser sig i och blicke ser förnöjd på sig själv och venleiken äkte eller föreställt ser uppslukt på sig ser uppslukt på sig själv och här och där 
de som hjälper till med att bära handleposarna och de gamla som står tidigt upp i tillfälle döden Och de som rusar sig med piggeäpple och de som rusar sig med nektaren från blommorna. Säljarna av bivoxproppar till att stänga lyden ute av tia ute. De som skrällar fiken kaktus utan att känna piggarna, piggarna från insia av drömmarna. De falske englarna med sina falske vänger. Polkespriten, sina förliste fallena, ned i avgrunden. Och de som får dagarna till att gå vid att dricka sin meskal och som inte vet om det är er lördag eller om veka akkurat starta. De gyllene flygarna som papirdragar, de förälska i sin nådetillstånd, de upplyste av den heilage ande. De som ser att det plagar dig, stirrar in i ögonen dina. De som ser framtida dig stirrar ner i handflatan dig. De som spår i tarokort och de som ser utan och så. Och de som utförer rensingarna och trylleformlarna och kinesarna som kurerar dig med nålar och babalauen som kallar på skebnen genom orakel ifa och vår frue av kobre som täcker sig till med medkänsla och vår frue från Guadalupe som täcker sig till med rosor de som målar drömmarna sina på amatepapper de som tyder hieroglyferna till drömmarna varmen som eroderar i drömmarna och drömmarna knusar som om de var av glas rope från barna som leker med klinkekulor Rope fra barna som spelar fotboll, de inbitna spelarna som ger allt. Döden är er inte anna än spelkortas i baksida. Och hanekampen på liv och död. Kom och vädd, mina herrar. Långt från sedlarna, långt fram sedlarna. Låt pengarna flyta, låt blodet flyta, låt tequilan flyta. Var inte blyga, håll inte tillbaka, inte var feig, få fram pengarna. Här finns inte rum för frukt. Hux att den som inte vågar inte vinn. Hux att livet inte är er annat än ett spel. Hux att om inte nu så när. Hux att vi lever på lånt tid. Slå till, modige herrar. Slå till. För vi är er här för att dö. Och varmen med sin öppna käft och sin vilskap och sin pesing och morgonen som sträcker sig försvarslöst ut och regnskurarna på den andra sidan bak åsarna bak fjälla de stora släggarna av grönt regn rottnarna som vass skorpa till senotarna som drucknar i denna varmen lynglimta duor och sola med streckmärker som är er ända kvitare kollapsar med kappas i akvepsar och humlar Och flugar, uforfärda fantastiska blännande, omringar av svarta senatefuglar och folk som viftar sig och svetar som renn och kläar som vätest och ägg med våta trusar som känner klistrar sig mot och inne på det skitna marknadstoalette 
Tek ägg på mig och ägg käm och ägg tissar på mig. Och den ville varmen frenetisk och den heilage jomfrua av Guadalupe och offergavarna henne som skrumpar och julestjärnorna rödglödande och nardusblommen som missar erektionen och varmen som fäller blada sina och alterkalken som blir sölt ut och de varma blommorna och de fördruckna kronblada klamrar sig till silken klamrar sig till de inte grejer mig och dör och utanför marknaden paradisfuglar och madonna liljor och tusen frider och gyllenlackar och orkideer nakne som dyr och röter som bunter av gröna blodårar och hyacinter och chrysanthemum och syrinar och vasliljor och heliotrop och kala och jasmin och hortensiar och fargenbroten med fargenbroten och asel aselar med knäckte grenar gardeniar som drucknar i kronbladasine och förliser parfymerat av silke och kimon till en egen geisha utröstelige blaff av solsikker buketter med flöjelsblommor till dig döde och blommorna böjer sig och dig levande lät spritflaskan gå runt och musik och musik och mer musik och det triste tungsinne till dig döde jag sig döv och så nedtryckt hur den trista, tristaste och så döv och så avliden och så dö att hur inte en gång vet hur fruktelig dö hur är och blommorna grät och de levande lever och svälger livet sitt och stora dråpar svälger dig och svälger frukta sig och så mycket mast livet och så många avflassa dagar och heten som är själ i sorg och begär bit i hjärtat sitt och förgiftar dig som ett skorpionstick och apelsinblommor till brudarna som allerede har prövat kärleken och apelsinblommor till dig som varte över oss och till dig som feirar första nattvärlden och till dig som ingick äktenskap med Gud och vart värande med omfrihinna sig och buketter med skyr och ekstatiska påskeliljor och buketter med dogg och förglömma ej och stemorsblommorna till D.H. Lawrence som öppnar sig i sin vänlek och begoniar och geraniumar irisar frisiar och geraniumar och pentaniar och fiolar och tulipaner och georginer och kaktusblommorna varma och mörka och kaktusar som törkar i lärklockor och kristtornar som blir tömde ut i korallblå och blodet blir täckt med tornar och påfullvängar som stirrar på kvarandra med vidöppna ögon och buntar med höj och alfa alfa till husdyra och buntar med siv och strutskör och ringblommor och klasar med skogsstjärnor och buntar 
med heliokona och bunta med röda nälkar och ända röda rosor och där är er den unge kvinna som Diego Rivera målar med med kala liljorna. Och glömd i en cigar öske. Fotografier av den russiske Oksimilko i den vässle båten lasta med kala liljor. Och jag ser mormor og mig från Puebla i det stora huset i Las Lomas. Och det är er hundedagarna som flymer över. Och lufta blir farga av kronblad. Och varandan så kvit att den försvinner för mig och jag försvinner in i minne och jag ser mormi sätta kala liljor. I en tala veravase från radion högerst poleroane olika så gott poleroane och jag ser barnepika mig och jag ser den jenta som är er mig kommer med kala liljor till mormi och nu ser jag mig här i dig efter alla dessa år i en vase av kala liljor och jag lyttar till dig samma boleroane som mormi Och tia blir löst upp i många tider och livet mitt är er lagat av många liv. Barnet pricka mig och jag är er på en knäppe. Vi beställer torka kött och margsuppe och ja, i stora slurrar dricker jag en iskall Coca-Cola. Och syns den smakar så gott att tårarna sprätt. Barnet pricka mig köper socker spinter mig. Hon köper aniskarameller till mig och jag får ett raserianfall. Hon köper en citronis till mig och anfallet går över. Barnepika mig lupe, snackar lite. Hon kommer från Oaxaca och kan inte skicka spansk. Hon tar mig med till messe i löjnt från föräldrarna mina. Hon lär mig och korsa mig och överger mig i varetäkta till vår fru från Guadalupe och käre jomfru Guds mor de lidande sitt tröst de sjuka sig hälsa syndarna sitt tillflykt mystiska rose fri mig från det vonde kvar mer ska jag säga si dig vässle jomfru kvar mer men kvar för ord när jag inte kan ave maria men kvar för ord när jag är er så rädd du Måtte ha öppnat såret, det djupe, äkte såret. Öppna det där i den rifta och i de dagarna så talrike och så skada och i de många felgrepa och i den plundringen och i den vallen från mig mot dig och i alla de åra där jag ödsla mig själv. Och jag glömde mig själv. Och jag klandrade mig för att ha gjort detta och mer och detta och mer för att mor min skulle älska mig och detta och mer för att få tjäna kärleken hennes. Och jag älskar henne framlägs och jag lyer henne framlägs, själv om hon är er död, hälleg fram med och lyer. Själv om det är er i strid med mig själv, lyer jag och till henne. Och för henne ber jag fram skaden min. Heilagt. Var är namnet hennes? Be för oss.
I really thank you. I I I was almost following you, and I don't know Norigan, but you like you had the right, the you had you had the music of of how it goes. Yes, it's uh, it's your job. <laughs> no, it, it was yours. <laughs> okay. Mi nana Lupe habla poco. Es de Oaxaca y no sabe bien español. Me lleva a misa a escondidas de mis padres. Me enseña a persinarme y me encomienda a la Virgen de Guadalupe. ¡Ay, Virgencita, Madre de Dios! Consoladora de los afligidos. Salud de los enfermos. Refugio de los pecadores. Rosa Mística. Líbrame del mal. ¿Qué te digo, virgencita? ¿Qué más te digo? ¿Con qué palabra si no sé el Ave María? ¿Con qué palabra si tengo tanto miedo? Tendrías que abrir la herida. La profunda, la verdadera herida. Abrir allí en esa trizadura. Y en esos, los tantos días los tantos y tan heridos días, y en los tantos hierros, y en ese despojo de mí hacia mí, y en todos esos los años en que me desperdicié y me olvidé de mí. Y me acuso porque eso me hice y más, y eso y más para que mi mamá me quisiera, y eso y más para merecer su amor. Y sigo queriéndola, y sigo obedeciéndola. Y aún muerta, sigo obedeciéndola. Y aún en contra de mí, sigo obedeciéndola. Y para ella y por ella ofrezco mi daño. Santificado sea su nombre. Ruega por nosotras, ruega por nosotras, ruega por nosotras. Ni rezarte sé, virgencita. Ni el Padre nuestro ni tus letanías me sé. Madre sin pecado concebida, la que está en falta soy yo. Yo que no he podido, no he podido llegar a ser yo. Y lo huérfano allí, ahí de raíz. Y mi nana me cuenta de su Nahual y me dice que las niñas blancas no tienen Nahual y que voy a estar siempre sola y desprotegida. Y yo me abrazo a ella y lloro con ella. Y ella me enreda en su rebozo. El rebozo huele a humedad y a sudor. Nunca más volví a oler ese olor tan de ella y tan solamente de ella. Un día se largó con el jardinero. Debe haber muerto hace mucho. A mí se me murió cuando me dejó y se fue. Aparece en, cada, en, en casi todas 
mis fotos de niña junto a mí. Du har hört på Litteraturhusets podcast som presenterar bearbetade versioner av samtaler och föredrag från Litteraturhusets program. Del gärna podcasten med familj och vänner via iTunes eller SoundCloud om du liker det du har hört. Följ oss också på Facebook och på litteraturhuset.no för information om flera aktuella arrangemang. Musiken är er laget av Apotek.